thank you for joining us. I know it's short notice. It's always short notice. No, that, that, that's fine, Jim. But let me go back to the, uh, Senator Schumer. What he did was horrible. There's no other way to describe it. And that was a threat, correct? Well, I look at it that way. I, I do. I mean, given what we saw and the words he used, and when he was saying what he said, he's pointing at the Supreme Court building, yes, which at the time was hearing the, the this abortion case. And of course it was. I'll play it one he, more time it, for us. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. And you will pay the price, Barbara. It sounds like a threat to me. Well, Jim, if I was the person standing on the Supreme Court steps saying that, I would be in jail now. <laughs> and Chief Justice Roberts came out and said something, didn't he? He did. He basically said, <clears throat> this is not appropriate. But what I found interesting, Jim, is that Chief Justice Roberts came out and said something. Mm. He didn't have to. There was nothing compelling him to do so, but it shows how disturbed he was by the comments. Now, I don't know where those comments go, Jim. Do we need more security for those two justices? How much is that going to cost the government? You just can't go out and do what uh, Senator Schumer did and expect no consequences. I am stunned by what Schumer did because he did the very thing that he accuses Republicans of doing. Well, Jim, imagine if um, Mitch McConnell went out on the steps of the Supreme Court in, uh, let's say, uh, 2015 and said, Justice uh, Sotomayor and Justice Scalia, you're going to, or Kagan, you're going to, you're going to, Get the consequences. The, the, the press would or, be all over it. Or let me tell you, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you better die fast yeah. before Trump is no. out of office. No, this is just it. Well, first of all, obviously it's dumb because there's a, a, a separation of powers. And uh, Senator Schumer does not get to control the decisions of the Supreme Court, which and, it seems as if he was trying to do. And, that, and the second thing is it just, you know, I, I'm back to um, that Trump derangement syndrome is obviously bigger than what we thought it was when it I, affects someone like a Senator Schumer. And obviously I don't mean that about the notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, no, nobody does. Of course, I, mean, I don't mean that. But that would use that as an example of what, if I stood there and did that, um, uh, the press would just roast me. Oh, of course. If you stood there and said, Sotomayor and Kagan, uh, you're going to suffer the consequences, you'd be roasted. Absolutely. Now the question I'm sorry. is, I, I just I find that so. To me, as an attorney who was admitted to practice before the Supreme Court, I find that what uh, Senator Schumer did is so offensive and so mm, out of line. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to respond. 
And what can Mitch McConnell do about this? They can't impeach a senator, can they? No, they can't. But what they can do is censure him. Um, the Senate could do that. So I would not be surprised um, if a senator uh, made a motion to censure him. Although there's a big piece of me, given the Republican Party, there's a big piece of me that says I would not be surprised if they didn't do that. Big piece of you that says you wouldn't be surprised if the Republicans fold like a cheap suit, correct? Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know, but he should be censured for those comments, clearly. And I think his problem is he thinks that um, the uh, Democrat Party uh, has gone so far to the left that this is what he has to say to basically keep his seat in the Senate. And so that's what he did. But uh, it's yes, I just, understand. It's, I, let me interrupt you just for a second. I read an article on this, and apparently he's afraid that AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is going to go after his Senate seat. So he has to go way I left. I had heard that. I I don't know whether she will, but obviously she has delusions of grandeur, so she might well. And so the, this could be his last gasp of trying to convince people that he really does hate Trump. I don't know. <laughs> well, I saw him on Fox News stand up there and say, I'm from Brooklyn or I'm from the Bronx. Something yeah, like, like that. I'm from Brooklyn so I can threaten somebody. What does that mean? <laughs> As it turns out, I mean, that's I can go- basically what he was saying. He said, I'm from Brooklyn, so I can say these words. I, uh, no, you can't. Barbara, as it turns Again, out, I if, did, if, as I was going to say, as you, it turns out, part of our family is from Brooklyn, too. But we yeah, don't go around and say this. Absolutely. Those no, but they didn't, you don't get a free license to um, threaten public officials because you're from Brooklyn. At least if you do, I have not found that in the Constitution. Well, AOC is from Brooklyn. She doesn't get a pass, that's for sure. You know, I can't, again, I'm back to, I cannot believe that he did that. Uh, we were so lucky to have Barbara Vicevich, the Soundoff sister, former assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of Florida and former law professor at the University of Miami, a litigation law professor. Litigation is courtroom, correct? Yes, it courtroom is. Law. That's like going to the Supreme Court. <laughs> so you were teaching Perry Mason? I was. I was. Everyone should know that if they don't know the show, they should actually go on YouTube and watch it. Perry Mason inspired the the uh, Soundoff sister to become an attorney and a great attorney. More than an attorney, you are a prosecutor. Big difference there. Yes, I was, but really, I loved Perry Mason growing up as a kid, and I can remember turning it on as a kid, and you and Tom and Rob would say, what are you doing? We don't want to watch this, but I did. Yep. We watched it because it was the thing, it was the thing to watch. Yes. At the time, if you remember, it was huge. It was. 
do you actually think, Barbara, at any point uh, Chuck Schumer will pay the price for any of this? Well, Jim, he should be censured. And the question is, do the Republicans have the spine to stand up and say that was wrong? I don't know whether they do, but he should be censured. I mean, that was awful. Well, Barbara, he would. This is for you. Those of you who don't know what that is, that is the theme song to the TV show Perry Mason. Correct, Barb? Exactly, with with Della Street and Paul Drake. Paul Drake, Della Street. Shows you how old I am. <laughs> and we have to tell people who uh, Paul Drake is. Paul Drake was his private investigator, correct? Exactly. And Della was his, basically, secretary paralegal. But she really was a paralegal, wasn't she? Oh, I think so. I'm not sure I they had so. paralegals then, but... No, they didn't. But if you looked at what she did during the show, she was clearly the paralegal. Yeah, no question about that. Um, and um, it's awfully nice of you to join us today, Barb. Thanks, thanks for I'm taking ha- our call. Have a good night. Okay? okay, I'm happy to, Jim. This podcast will be up before the day is over. You can go listen to it yourself. Oh, Thanks. good. I hope I don't sound stupid. <laughs> no, you, don't, you never sound stupid, and the audience loves you, too. Thanks, Barb. Okay, bye, Jim. Right, take care. Welcome aboard, everybody, and welcome to another podcast by Jim and Jane. Communism versus socialism. As always, capitalism versus socialism. As always, we draw on the knowledge of Jane's life under communism, communist Czechoslovakia. And this time we get the great knowledge of Jonathan Honig, the founding principal of CapitalistPig.com. CapitalistPig is a hedge fund well-known hedge fund, and Jonathan is a frequent guest with Neil Cavuto on Fox News. Jonathan, how are you tonight? Jim, it's great to be with you both this, this evening. Thank you so much for having me. Hi there. It's, it's our honor, I can assure you. I'm delighted to be with you both. Thank you. Okay. Uh, him, Jim is having a little technical difficulty here. Sorry. So he's <laughs> he's not paying attention much. Um, no problem. It's uh, thank you for joining us very much. Uh, it's very nice to meet you. Um, Jim was telling me about uh, a lot of things uh, that you talked about with uh, with him in the past. Um, have you watched the Super Tuesday last night? I did. I I, I, wa- <laughs> I watched Super Tuesday, and it was, it was kind of in- kind of interesting. You know, the, the stock market, which had been getting the tar kicked out of it for the previous week, uh, it opened, actually opened up, opened down about 200 points, uh, coming into super Tuesday. It really looked like Bernie Sanders was going to run away with it. Kind of interesting to see, certainly not like Joe Biden is the epitome of anything remotely resembling capitalism, but 
as Joe Biden's wins seem to pick up momentum and, and uh, Bernie Sanders' chances seem to diminish. You saw, saw the stock market go up and up and up. And in fact, today uh, registered its second biggest point gain in history. I, I can't put a direct correlation against that, but I think there's no question that even many Democrats have agreed that a lot of what Bernie Sanders proposes, and look, you, you know, People get too caught up, guys, I think, in, well, is this, is, this is communist, or this is socialist, and this is fascist. I mean, it's, it's all on this, you know, the same, two sides of the same coin, this collectivist coin that says, your life, your property is not your own. And that's exactly so, uh, my opinion. So when somebody's asking what's the difference bet between capitalism, I mean, between socialism and communism, uh, I mean, in my opinion, it's just different word. Otherwise, it's the same idea. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, socialism, communism, fascism, they're all you know, slightly different variations on the same theme. And as you said, it, it you know, it's, it's collectivism, it's fascism, it's statism. It's the big picture idea that, you know, your life does not belong to you. You don't have a right to your own, you know, to paraphrase our own founding documents, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Your purpose is to, to serve others, to serve the state, to serve the greater good, to serve the the steel workers, you know, that that's all commonplace now among Republicans and certainly Democrats. I mean, that notion that, you know, you're here for the country's good, for the economy's good, for the teacher's good, or the, you know, the, the steel worker's good, that's a common part of American kind of discourse right now. It's so frustrating because it's just the opposite of really the fundamental ideas, the, the rugged individualism that this country was built upon and has thrived upon for most of its existence. Uh, Jonathan, there are some people who think, and I wonder if you agree with him, that uh, the reason the market went up was because there were there was relief that there was a repudiation of socialism last night, and that Bernie Sanders was not selected. Well, that Joe Biden you know, was picked instead of Bernie Sanders. Do you yeah. think the market went up because of relief? You know, Jim, it, it's a it's a fool's errand to try to pin you know every uh, hundred or even thousand point move in you know in the market against a particular news headline. You know, this this I can tell you, there's a direct correlation between the ideas that Bernie Sanders proposes, uh, the wealth tax, uh, universal health care on down, and financial misery, wealth destruction. Oh, for the rich, the so-called rich, but for everyone involved, and those ideas to the extent that they've ever been applied, have failed always to, uh, to the extent that they've applied. The more they've been applied, the more they've failed. Uh, so I think, you know, no question that I think mar the market, but also every individual, certainly Democrats are probably breathing a sign of relief uh, that that's not the direction, at least here, that their party is going. And now look, the Republicans have their own huge set of issues and whole, huge set of problems. They're not the epitome of capitalism at all and we can certainly get into that as well but you know the democrats are explicitly collectivist explicitly socialist in bernie's case i think you're, you're, it's no question jim you're right the market breathed a sigh of relief when it saw that bernie's chances were diminishing and uh i have a couple other questions for you from a friend of mine who wanted to know why is he uh, let me get this, this so i can get this uh, correctly done here hang on a second i want to make sure I've, i'm using the right words because I'm not familiar with all this terminology. <laughs> um, and it was a technical question. He said, why would an investor buy a 10-year treasury 
uh, yielding 0.9% when you can get a better yield, 2.9% on Pepsi stock. And you can defend that dividend easily. So why would you buy a 10-year treasury? Well, In other words, um, this question was ultimately, why aren't people buying right now? Well, um, it's an interesting question. I mean, the first one kind of alludes to this notion of uh, interest rates. You know, we've we've never seen interest rates this low. You mentioned, you know, you're going to buy a 10-year bond, uh, government bond now. And as you said, Jim, they're going to pay you not less than 1%, but it's around 1%. That is a historic low. Uh, when you consider that, you know, you have to pay, <laughs> pay taxes on that 1%, the, the returns are almost nothing. Um, but this is it's pretty unusual here in the United States, but it's not unusual in a lot of areas of, of the world. In, in Japan, for example, they've had near 0% interest rates for 20 years. Uh, they've tried it in Europe for the last couple of years. The whole goal, the whole purpose has been trying to stimulate the economy. It hasn't worked one bit in either of those two examples. Um, so you're seeing that now, you know, both uh, the Federal Reserve lower interest rates, the president talk about the need for lower and lower interest rates as a means of stimulating the economy. We got that, that the special uh, surprise rate cut this week from the Federal Reserve. So, you know, it, it hasn't helped thus far, but at least in the short term, it's put a little bit of confidence maybe into people, uh, 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 people step in and buy some stocks. But Jim, a quick answer to your question of, you know, why would you buy a bond that yields 1%? To, well, if you thought the economy was slowing dramatically, if you thought there wasn't going to be other great places to safely make that money, uh, you'd absolutely buy that bond at 1%. In fact, a lot of insurance companies, a lot of pension plans, for example, have to buy bonds, long-dated bonds, to match up their assets with their liabilities and their, their long-term liabilities. So, you know, this issue is a conundrum of what to do about ultra-low interest rates. It's, you know, it, it's a warning sign, Jen. I'll, I'll put it at that, that. I mean, the president talked about, you know, we're a great economy, so we should be paying less. You know, in a strong economy, there's demand for money. That pushes interest rates up. Uh, and the, historically, these ultra-low interest rates have always been a warning sign, a harbinger of a weak economy to come, not a strong one at present. Then the other thing you want to know, why is the fear index higher now than it was in 2008? He said, did he actually fall asleep and wake up and find out that the end of the world is around the corner right now? Yeah, no, he, he's right. I mean, they, they call it the, the fear index, the so-called VIX index. And without getting too much in the weeds, you know, this is a, an index that tracks the amount of money that p- people are paying for protection against a fall, a drop in stock prices. So it is. And the idea is, is that when people get more fearful, the cost of that protection goes up. And, I mean, look, we've had a hell of a last 10 days in the market, chains. I mean, there were record drop from an all-time high, the record numbers of a thousand point swing. So after an 11 point you know, run in, in the stock market and years and years of a strong economy, a lot of people are looking to buy some protection and that makes great sense. And, you know, when it comes right down to what you should do with your money and your investments without giving any specific advice, Jim, I just say that it really comes down to your own context. If you're in your twenties or thirties or forties and, you know, truly have that long-term time horizon, then, Five, ten, even twenty percent of the Dow doesn't make a difference. But fact of the matter is, a lot of people have racked up a heck of a lot of credit card debt in recent years. We have the majority of the population now at or nearing retirement age. A lot of risk on the line. So many of them are looking to either take some money off the table or buy protection against the drop in prices. 
And is there, uh, in this particular case, are people actually really worried that socialism might come to the United States? I wish they were. More, I wish they were more worried, mm. Jim, because they're the ones that are they're the ones that are bringing it in. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is that socialism is it's almost gone mainstream. Uh, you know, it has been taught now for the better part of forty years this progressive education, uh, and that's what's fueled Bernie Sanders. That's what's fueled not just a move to the left among Democrats, but even among Republicans. I mean, you know, if Republicans now are advocating for you know trade tariffs and the social safety nets. This is anything but the very Goldwater uh, rugged individualism that I think probably best exemplified the party. So, um, you know, we should be worried. And, you know, Jim, the thought is always, oh, well, we're going to become Venezuela. Look, it, it might not necessarily be Venezuela. It, it could be something, as I said, like like Europe in the last uh, couple of decades. You know, France, which is probably the best example of this modern-day entitlement uh, uh, quasi-socialist state, France hasn't had un- unemployment under 8% since basically the early 1980s. I mean, that was back when socialists really came to power of France. So, you know, I'm not worried about the ATMs stopping working and there being riots in the streets. I'm worried about a, a dulled, lifeless, declining American economy that's no longer the leader of the world, that no longer produces, you know, companies like Facebook, Apple, Google, and all the rest. Uh, an America that's been left behind because of the politics that that have come to our shores. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could happen. And, you know, as as Benjamin Franklin famously said, Jim, a republic, if you can keep it, now's the time for us to to keep it. Well, my fear with the socialism is that it's creeping and uh, people will get used to it instead of, you know, overturn of uh, one government into another, which, you know, people can see and remember what, you know, what, the good old days where this would be slow, like uh, political correctness, that would be one example of, of um, putting down the freedom of the speech. Um, things like, it, it's just a slow progress, I think. That's, that's what I see. Um, the other thing was, uh, I was thinking the other day, um, from where I come from, capitalism was bad. And it was so embedded in my mind that, you know, when I came here, the Republicans and capitalism, it was all bad um, because of how I was brought up and what was what was um, pushed into my head or pumped into my head on a daily basis. <coughs> so I think that uh, for people like me uh, that are used to color red being uh, communist and capitalism being bad, uh, free market sounds better to me than, uh, mm. than capitalism. I, it sounds like a petty thing, but um, it's, well, it's huge. Let me ask you why... What, why, what about capitalism? Because a lot of people, you know, they, they're almost ashamed to admit that they're capitalists. Well, be, to say. Because well, what is it about it? It's because it's a uh, shame is being put on you and it's associated. The word was used by the Marxists. It was used by Lenin. It was used by all these people that uh, were inflict in, in um, pushing, like I said, pushing the communism into our throats. On daily basis, and capitalism was just bad. Capitalists were evil people. Uh, there were a lot of p- poor people. They were being victims. They were victims to the capitalists. So just when you put capitalist uh, in front of anything, it's a bad thing. Plus, we are getting used to this country, country being shamed or ashamed for everything that this country stands for. Uh, you know, 
we uh, when I first came here, Columbus was a good guy. Now he's evil, for instance. It's the things like that. I have uh, 10-year-old girls that go to school and come with stuff like that. Um, they, they didn't even, I don't think they even talk about um, uh, Columbus. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a slow thing. They are changing the history. They're, so, sorry, go ahead. And, and even you know even the even the defenders of capitalism in our culture now you know the the people who we we look to you know when they go out to the Fox or anywhere else and defend capitalism what is their defense what is their defense their defense is oh well I, you know I, I made a lot of money but hey I, I also gave a lot of it away mm. you know that that was that I, I'm very charitable that's the defense right now and that's that's exactly why capitalists are, are losing. The reason why I'm just speculating here, but my guess is you and a lot of people are are uncomfortable with capitalism is that capitalism it boils down to what? It boils down to getting what you want. Capitalism is about making a profit, making a profit for you. And we've been taught since you know, we've been kids in this country, you know, don't be selfish, think about other people, sacrifice for other people. Mm-hmm. That's why socialism sounds immoral. It seems right. You're supposed to sacrifice for capitalism. You're just out for yourself. That's wrong. Right. Uh, that scene is wrong. Well, that's, that's, that's what, what it is. That's and the problem. That's what it is. And that's not why I'm uncomfortable with it. I, like I told you, I'm uncomfortable with it. No, it's not even that. It's just uh, the sound of it as I remember it is what makes me think that's why people might be uncomfortable with it. Some people that come from countries like Czechoslovakia or Cuba or, you know, Russia, uh, capitalism is a bad word. Um, and I'm not shaming it because I'm happy in it. I'm just saying that that might be like when I first came here and the Republicans uh, became represented by red color, it was in my mind as how would I vote for these people? They are bad. They're just bad. So, it's just those little, and I'm going to say red flags, but what, what is represented um, f- um, in flag color in China? What was Russia? Um, I don't know what Cuba was or is, but those two countries I mean, it, are it, in the it, back of my mind. I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's, you know, capitalism triggers, uh, and when you see your capitalist, you know, my, my firm is capitalist pig, you know, see your capitalist, it triggers people. But if you said to folks, hey, what's the greatest poverty killer in the history of human human life? You know, what what has brought about the, the biggest end of poverty in human life mm. uh, in, in history? Uh, capital, capitalism. I mean, capitalism should be celebrating. We should be building statues to, to the great capitalists of our era. I mean, if you really care about human life, you should be proud to call yourself a capitalist because it's capitalism that has improved human life much more than any charity, any religion, any government handout, any uh, public private partnership. It's that exactly that greedy self-interested capitalist just out to make a buck. Um, You know, he's our hero. He's the one who's improved all of our lives. He and she, I should say, have improved all of their lives. So I, uh, you know, I, I take great pride that if you Google my name, not like I've done it, okay, maybe a few <laughs> times, but if you if you Google my name, I, I come up as uh, American capitalist. I'm very proud of that. Well, that's, we there's all... there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, my Hell thing yeah. is, yeah. I was never employed by a poor person. So since mm-hmm. I came here, I've been employed by capitalists, and I'm very happy with that and very proud of it. And I became capitalist myself, actually, because I own a small business. Um, you know, uh, it's, um, 
I have no problem with it. It's just that the word is embedded in uh, me and in others, uh, other minds because of words, what it was taught to in us. In other words, Jonathan, in, in a communist country, the word capitalism comes from Karl Marx, Das Kapital. So sure. they see it as a reminder of, of Karl Marx and Engels. Well, I, I wish even, you know, you, you said you're more comfortable with free market. Fine. That's fine. Who else in American politics now is comfortable with free markets? No one. Not, not, certainly not the Democrats. And certainly not the Republicans either. Uh, I, I, I appreciate your um, you know, advocacy for free markets, but we got a lot of work to do because you know, these ideas are probably more unpopular now than any time, at least my professional career in the last 20, 25 years. Uh, you know, free markets is seen as destructive. You know, it's because of free markets that we have all these, you know, greedy, self-interested corporate uh, behemoths. So, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we got a lot of work to cut out to demonstrate to people how beneficial free markets are for us all. I agree with you. So, I don't know, maybe use it interchangeably. Uh, I don't know. No, I'm not saying that we need to change it. I'm just saying for people like me, if I was uh, explained to what it really is, what it really means instead of what I remembered, what I was told. Um, yep. that, that's all. I'm not, I don't see anything wrong with it at all. I'm just saying that there, it's, it's just in a lot of people's mind, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it was told that it was a bad thing. Absolutely. And I, I respect your experience tremendously. And, you know, the, what you having come from that, come from that history, you know, what you can offer to people to, to talk about, about that is so invaluable. Generations, all generations to learn from that experience, um, you know, uh, because if we don't learn from it, we're going to repeat it again and again. So I, I appreciate it. Right. I'm glad that you do it. You know, I was just thinking um, there were there were not even a thought back when I was growing up of people having their small business. And for instance, my mom was very talented uh, in making jewelry, um, making um, designing clothes. Um, everything was cooked from scratch and, and baked from scratch. So she could have had multiple businesses, but that, it was not even an idea. My dad um, invented this uh, integrated system of uh, uh, computer-controlled um, temperature, security, lights in a house. And it was in the 80s. So he was he's very talented. You know, they could have... And he ended up having own, his own business after the communism failed. But um, we could have... My, my family could have had great life. We were just mediocre because we didn't have that opportunity. So, you know, capitalism would have been wonderful when I was growing up. I just, we just didn't have that chance. Sure, sure. I mean, it, did, it didn't exist. And that's why, you know, uh, even now with politics, such a, uh, I want to say shit show, but I'll say clown show instead because I know this is a family program. I don't <laughs> that's know. okay. Go it's ahead, the internet. It's you go right ahead. <laughs> politics, such a clown show. I mean, America still is still is the most individualistic, the most capitalist country. I mean, you wake up here and by and large, you know, you're free. You can start that business, create that enterprise, uh, innovate that tech, new technology. And, you know, given the, those evil bastards, Jeff Bezos and Steve <laughs> Jobs, you, you've got all the tools on your laptop right here, probably even on your phone to, you know, to publish that book or create that movie or put up that website. I mean, there's, the, the, the opportunities 
you know, and, and that's really where Bernie misses the boat and, and the leftists really miss the boat. You know, from their perception, it's this fixed pie mentality. You know, they say there's this limited amount of money and it's our job as a government to redistribute it in a fair way. Truth is, there's an endless amount of money. There's a, an unlimited amount of wealth that could be created in a free society. And the more you can free up people, the more of that wealth that, they, that could be created for us all to enjoy. Jonathan, do you worry that we will lose our our capitalist spirit or our free market spirit in this country? Do you worry that people like Bernie Sanders will eventually win over the younger population? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're you're right about the younger population, Jim, because that's where it starts. You know, there, there's, a, there's a saying my friend... Dr. Jerome Brook always says that we get the politicians we deserve. Mm. And he's absolutely right. You know, meaning that, you know, the politics is, it's like down the food chain. It all starts where it starts in the schools. It starts with the education that, you know, young people are given, uh, from the get go. You know, they're taught and, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. Jane, I mentioned, you mentioned it. You're, you know, when we were younger, uh, Columbus was taught to be a hero. America was taught to be a, a heroic place, uh, a place where every individual was, had an opportunity to, to make the best of himself. And, you know, what are young people taught now? And America is founded on slavery. Christopher Columbus was, a, you know, a, a rat bastard. And now we, now we get people like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez saying stuff like this. Now the economy is going pretty strong, right? There's roughly 4% unemployment, 3.9% unemployment. Um, do you think that capitalism has failed to deliver for working class Americans or is no longer the best vehicle for working class Americans? Well, I, th- I think the numbers that you just talked about is part of the problem, right? Because we look at these figures and we say, oh, unemployment is low. Everything is fine, right? Well, unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Unemployment is low. Because what? That makes sense. People are 60, 70, 80 <laughs> hours a week and can barely feed their kids. And so I do think that right now, when we have this no-holds-barred, Wild West hyper-capitalism, what that means is profit at any cost. Capitalism has not always existed in the world, and it will not always exist in the world. What is she talking about, Jonathan? And she, I don't wants, know. A, she wants a race. She, she wants <laughs> more of, money. <laughs> kind of in, in, incoherent uh, uh-huh. babble. Uh, Wild West capitalism, Jonathan. What is Wild West capitalism? I I wish we. I mean, I wish we had more capitalism in the country. And look to this. I give President Trump a, a credit. There has been a a tremendous amount of deregulation. And if you look at any area of your own life in which you find great values, my guess is that it's probably something that's not dominated by government. If you look at something like. You know, the health insurance market that is so critiqued by uh, legislators left and right, but it's dominated by government. Same thing with education. Uh, On the converse, something like, oh, I don't know, uh, fast food, you know, of which government has really minimal uh, regulation, minimal controls. There's never been better choices at lower cost. Same thing with so much of technology. So, uh, you know, we need that hyper-capitalism that AOC is talking about. What we have now is anything but hyper-capitalism. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is yeah, I mean, certain, some people are extraordinarily wealthy. Michael Bloomberg is worth $60 billion. Jeff Bezos is worth, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. And they earned it. I mean, how do you get to be a billion a billionaire in America? Uh, 
by being born, uh, you know, with the right name or the right skin color? Absolutely not. You do it by creating a product that millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people want, and their lives are improved as a result of it. Goes back to that fixed pie mentality. I mean, AOCC's government role to you know take from those who've produced and give to those who have not. The truth is, is that there's an unlimited amount of wealth that can be produced if only we can be kept free. Thank you for joining us tonight, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. Jonathan Honig, hedge fund, hedge fund, hedge fund manager. Say that five Thanks. times fast. <laughs> Fox News <laughs> contributor. Nice to be with you guys. Nice to meet you, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. Have a great evening. Enjoyed yeah. it very much. Hopefully we can get you back too, Jonathan. Anytime, Jim. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be uh, associated with you, and I really wish you the best with it. Thank you so much. Good night. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Gonna stand my ground, won't be turned around. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground And I won't back down Hey, baby There ain't no easy way out Hey, I will stand my ground And I won't back down